0: Welcome to the Sharing What's Good podcast. I'm your host, Kim Spears. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Daryl Jackson. Daryl is a longtime friend who I want the Sharing What's Good listeners to meet because he has a great instinct when it comes to home renovation, interior design and fine art. Welcome, Daryl.
1: Good morning, Kim. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you very much for agreeing to grant us an interview. So my first question for you today is, where did your love for home renovation and interior design stem?
1: So during my childhood, we owned an older home. And so there was always painting, remodeling, you know, decorating going on, especially around the holidays, for whatever reason. You know, my mom would always want to brighten things up or do this or do that. That was always a, always a special time for me. Even though I wasn't really involved in the process, I was sort of like, you know, standing around the perimeter, you know, taking everything in. My dad, in my mind, I always had a keen sense of design as far as I can remember. So I guess that is where my love for design came from. I I, kind of got that through him. For as long as I can remember, I've always had a love for our rehab and design. I remember when I was in seventh grade, I asked my mom, I could paint um, paint my bedroom black. And so, you know, she granted the request, and, you know, there it was, you know, these black walls, a white ceiling with white trim. floor was a checkered board between hardwood and these black checks. And I used to build model cars, so I showcased my model cars on the walls. And then the theme for the room, stoned love, which, if you know anything about the 70s, it's a song sang by the Supremes in the the early 70s. And the song, you know, the essence of the song had to do with social issues and the need for compassion, human compassion. I've always loved Chicago-style architecture. I can stop at a red light and uh, see a house or a building in distress. Um, I'll work it up in my mind, Um, you know, rehab the exterior in my mind. And when the light turns green, I move on. I nag that and kind of enjoy i doing. Um, in my late teens, I remember um, helping my, um, my grandmother and my mom restore um, a two-flap building that they purchased. And that was a real treat for me in um, more ways than one. I kind of served as the, uh, the, the general contractor, if you will, sort of the go-between between my, my mom and my grandmother and the, and the contractors and, um, you know, we're saying, no, it needs to go this way, you know, negotiating with these guys, you know, to get things done. I remember on several occasions I was, I don't want to use the, the word confronted, but I was challenged by uh, the contractors because of my, my youth and my age. Um, suggesting that, you know, I should not be the one telling them, you know, to go left or to go right. <laughs> so <laughs> those were interesting times. My first grad school adventure was actually um, at the University of Wisconsin, the uh, School of Architecture and Urban Planning. So at that point, I still had this learning, you know, for, for rehab and design, thought that I could funnel it through, you know, the urban, the School of Urban Planning. Um, it was a good fit, but being, you know, having gone through undergrad and jumping right into grad school, I was kind of weary, kind of tired of the whole school scene. So I eventually left the program. I did ultimately get my master's degree, but it was an, um, an unrelated field. It never faltered. During my adult years, I completed several projects. You know, just love it.
0: Tell me about the project that, I guess, the the first one that I was really aware of is Point King Drive in the Chicago area. That was a Chicago-style bungalow, which I thought you did a great job. Then there was another one in the Chatham area. To me, that was a a huge project in terms of a home built in the early 1900s and your debut on television.
1: Okay. That was... The, um, the creme of the creme, if you will, in terms of my project, that was a, a big challenge. But basically, it was a 1922 oversized Georgian that was in complete ill repair. And we, we purchased the, the, the building um, knowing that it was in, in dire straits. But I knew from looking at it, from touring it, that it had all kinds of possibilities. And so we, t- we took it on. Exterior-wise, it had a new roof put on it. There were actually three roofs. There were two flat roofs and a main roof. And all the roofs were three roofed, new gutters, new soffits. The brick was chemically cleaned, new windows, new downspouts. You name it, we did it. Uh, we also tore down the uh, one-car garage and put up a 2 5 car brick garage and then in the inside of it uh, we wanted to try to keep the original structure as much as we could so we demoed the bathrooms and the kitchen taking much care and safeguarding if you will the crown molding throughout the rest of the house and so we wanted a uh, gourmet kitchen that was the deal and we ended up doing a, um, a Viking kitchen, you know, uh, May day appliances, cherry, wood, granite countertops. We had hot filler over the stove, which was my thing. There was a prep sink, um, you know, you name it. It was just a gorgeous, gorgeous. It, just, it was very, very, very nice, very nice. I remember some of the uh, contractors saying to me, you know, well, you're pretty good at this. Have you ever thought about a career in this? I no, wasn't really interested in that. Um, I just liked doing it, you know, for me. I remember sitting, you know, legs crossed, just kind of sitting there, taking it all in, you know, trying to figure out next steps and what needed to happen. Um, I served as, as the uh, general contractor. You know, everything and everyone flowed through me. And it was, it was a bit of a task. You end up being a counselor. The, the, the conduit between uh, contractor one you know, not being able to complete his work until Contractor Two comes in and performs his work. So it was quite the dance But, you know, again, uh, we got it done. And um, once it was done, interestingly enough, it ended up being featured on HGTV, um, a show called uh, Generation Renovation. Uh, they came out, took a look at the thing, and just started with uh, breathtaking and, you know, put it, put it on the show. And so um, we, we were incredibly honored because, for me, I just felt like that I had given back to the community. It was a small seed, one house, but it was all about community for me, acknowledging and letting other, others know that, you know, black folks know how to get it done, too. And pretty much the same thing with the, uh, with the home on, on King Drive. Um, that house was on the Chicago Bungalow Tour, bus loads of folks would come through, tour the home. So, you know, those were, were real treats for me and, again, had everything to do with my love for community.
0: Which, to me, seems like it stemmed when you were 10 years old and painted your walls black.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. Interesting. No question about it. You
0: know, this, te- this really explains to me that we really, really have to be careful with how children are growing up and we want to make sure positive things get into their brains like that because at 10 years old you develop a love for community and compassion for others so those are the type of things that I think are wonderful for our young people to have instilled in them at such an early age and just take them out throughout their life
1: yeah I couldn't I couldn't agree more Um, especially in this day in age in these times where, you know, everything is so, everything and so many people are isolated, stuck to their phones, and not uh, mingling and uh, consulting with each other on an individual, personal kind of community basis. Yeah, yeah, your point is very well taken, very well taken.
0: Another amazing thing that I've picked up on listening to you, Daryl, it just seems like you had a parallel life in terms of something you truly love, your hobby, and then your professional career. When the contractor came to you and said, well, have you ever considered doing this professionally? What stopped you from doing it professionally?
1: Well, that's a good question. Um, a couple of things. So I come from a family of um, entrepreneurs. You know, my grandmother and my, and my grandfather, you know, owned two mom-pop community stores. Dad worked for Coca-Cola and, and I retired from Coca-Cola uh, after a number of years and opened up a tire shop and towing service. And uh, my brother, who worked for NISCO for a number of years in management, left there and opened up his own tire shop and towing service. My mom um, had, a, had a boutique, if you will, ran a boutique out of her home. And so it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And so that seat was always there in the back of my mind. And I always wanted to pursue something on my own, but there was also something telling me, you know, get the retirement. Do what you have to do with the paycheck, but, you know, get the retirement and then, you know, pursue your other, your other piece, you know, your entrepreneurial piece, you know, pursue it on the side. The rehab was incredibly um, joyful and pleasing, but I have never felt like I wanted to do it as a a full profession, if you will, as a career because doing it for yourself is one thing but, you know, doing it for a homeowner or someone else, that's a whole other ball of wax and, you know, I had heard a couple of horror stories about, you know, how a project went south and the the homeowner was in dire straits with, with with the contractor and the designer and all this kind of stuff, so I just never went, um, in that direction,
0: I enjoy event planning. And you know, people have said, "Oh, you should go into this professionally." But like, oh, you know, I enjoy it. It it gives me joy. It's you know, it's it's easy in the sense of I don't have any stress because it's not a, a contract involved. So I totally understand how you feel. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah. the other thing, Daryl that I'm really impressed about with you is your art collection. And when I walk around your home, I think, my goodness, what made him select this piece of art versus this piece of art? Where does he find them? So what's your process in selecting quality art for your walls?
1: Now, that's a hard question. There, There is no right or wrong, you know, when it comes to choosing art. Choosing art is very, very individual. And it just sort of boils down um, what captivates me. You know, in in, uh, any piece of art, it has to do with what I see, uh, what the artist is, you know, trying to relay, um, you know, in in the art piece. Different things move me. Scenes move me. Images, the use of color, coordinating colors, brushstroke, the number of brushstroke, the density of the brushstrokes. Sometimes I'm moved by the, the medium uh, the art, artist uses. Case in point, you know, uh, is it an oil piece, a watercolor piece, acrylic, I love charcoals, pastels, chalk, I just, all of it, all of it. And then the other piece that's really important for me, and I get a lot of reviews, positive reviews from folks on this piece, is the framing. I think the framing is, is crucial. The framing just serves uh, in my mind's eye to only enhance the message of a particular art piece. So, I've become pretty good at it. And, interestingly enough, as far as framing is concerned, Hobby Lobby is my friend. I can go to Hobby Lobby and just <laughs> get it done. <laughs> now, when I started out some you know, the, the great Framium and all this kind of thing, but over the last, I'm going to say, 20 years, Hobby Lobby.
0: Hey, that's a great recommendation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Now, one of the things I've heard you also say is cash is king when it comes to, to art and negotiating. Would you get her elaborate?
1: <laughs> okay. So at the end of the day, I personally love a good haggle. I'm all about a good haggle. <laughs> um, I, I just believe that I don't care what it is. I believe that everything is overpriced. Okay. And I believe that, that you know, that it it, it, it didn't take this much to make, you know, piece A uh, or piece B. And so I, I pursue it. You know, if I see a piece that I like and if I feel like there's an opportunity for haggle based on, you know, how, how the piece is priced, I just go for it. Example, you may find a piece the uh, artist is asking twelve hundred, fifteen hundred. You pop up nine hundred in cash, nine hundred and fifty in cash. You do that kind of like unexpectedly. I'm here. I'm here in front of you. I got nine hundred dollars in my hand. What can we do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you ever and take the money out? Do you ever take the money out and like show it?
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do.
0: Okay, all right. It's like cash in hand or not?
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you know, interestingly enough, I, I have not I have not had one occasion when it didn't go the way that I needed for it to go. Yeah, I would do and the same so a, thing. a lot of, a, yeah, a lot of artists, uh, especially like when, they, when they're at art fairs and that kind of thing, they don't want to pack up all this stuff and take it back home. They're, they're trying to go home empty-handed. They want, they want to get rid of everything. And so it really it really becomes a window of opportunity for a, a buyer.
0: I think you had a great point in terms of framing and as you're going and finding things. Because you can have the smallest, like, like a postcard. I think I actually saw that in your house. You had a postcard that you really like and you had it framed. So... What you're saying as you travel through these art fairs, as you go to different places, and if something speaks to you, maybe purchase it, frame it, and then it becomes something, you know, significant to you. Because sometimes I think we get afraid to put things on our wall because we don't know exactly how to arrange it. You know, is it going to look good in the home? But I think we need to maybe trust what we love and then set it off by framing and positioning it somewhere nice
1: in our home. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And you you really make a good point because um, something that, that needs to be said about the love of art and collecting art is that it's not about the price point. You know, it's about the piece. You know, and something as simplistic as a postcard that speaks to you, once it's in a frame and mounted on your wall, it becomes a piece of art. It simply is. And
0: a conversation piece as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and no, no, no one would know differently unless you told them, oh, that's a postcard. Hmm. But, oh, yeah.
0: Okay, so let's transition a bit, Daryl, and I have a question for <laughs> you. When you look back on your life that you've lived to this point, what in particular amazes you the most?
1: You know, you continue to embrace me with these hard questions. So, <laughs> <Embrace>. Um. <laughs> Well, you know what? So that question, okay, so this is the deal. I've always seen myself as the little engine that could. A a lot of stick-wittedness on my part um, and a lot of never giving up during the valleys of my life. And there there have been several. Unnamed, unmentioned, but there have been several. But I, I never gave up. I know it has everything to do with the spirit of Christ in me and I think it has to do with knowing that at the end of the day, you know, a lot of what I've experienced um, I've been able to muddle through had everything to do with God's hand on my shoulder and in some instances Him carrying me through you know, some of these, these troubled times. I kind of stand firm and just sort of acknowledging that I, you know, I see myself as a reasonably quiet and laid-back kind of guy, kind of soft-spoken by nature. Through the years, I finally figured out that I'm incredibly resourceful and reasonably strong. I'm able to uh, navigate, you know, the good and the bad, peace in the valley. At one point, uh, when I was pursuing therapy to get me through, you know, a really um, horrendous trouble time in my life, I had the pleasure of having my therapist say to me, you know, on a couple of occasions, you know, you're a warrior. And I never thought of myself as a warrior. So that stuck. And that, that gave me a lot of insight that I, I really did not have up until that point. And then a lot of who I am has to do with, you know, my mom and my dad. My mom, I used to call her Mother Sunshine, you know, just this, this very pleasant, delightful woman very easygoing, you know, very behind the scenes kind of person. And a lot of that is who I am. But I never really saw her as a warrior until I got older, you know, in my adult years and was able to reflect on how she navigated through her troubled times in life, very quietly, very poetically, you know, holding holding steadfast to Christ and church, you know, that kind of thing.
0: hmm it gives me, you know, wonderful insight and just a message to to everyone who's listening that you know just 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 continue on. Don't give yeah. up. Um, centering ourselves and just knowing that you know tomorrow is another day and we can give it another chance, another try.
1: Yes, yes. And then Kim, um, knowing, trusting, and believing that, as you well know, you know, God's got this. He's got all of this. All of this. He's got it. Keep in mind that no matter what's going on, no matter where I am in life, God is a part of all. He's got a hand in all of this. That's the deal.
0: That's the deal. What do you want to leave for future generations?
1: Another hard question. (laughs) People have said to me that they have been inspired by me. Unbeknowning to me, didn't have a clue, and so in response to your question, you know, if if I can if I can drop a seed here and there, and that seed can benefit and help another person through their journey, I'm all about that.
0: Yeah. Amen. That's it. Yeah. Amen. And I will echo that. You are very inspiring. Hence, this is why I wanted the audience to get to know you. We have uh, loved being your friend over the years, and we look forward to the days to come. Thank you very much for the interview. You have definitely answered all my questions wonderfully this morning. And (laughs) we and I am we John and myself, my husband and I, we are more than inspired by you. And we, we feel blessed that you are our friend. Thank you very much.
1: And thank you guys. That, that was very touching. I appreciate that. Much, much love coming your way.
0: Today's interview with Daryl Jackson teaches us that our passions for something can be seeds we plant to bring inspiration to others and leave a positive impact on future generations. What's your passion? This is a K-Cross Spears, LLC production.